This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. So as I was saying, we are going to um, continue with a message on uh, around, I'll say around, the birth of Christ. And this message, one-time message, is, is going to be titled, Christ, Our High Priest. It's Christ, Our High Priest. If you would turn to Hebrews chapter 4, we're going to go there uh, in a little bit, but Hebrews chapter 4, you can turn there and rest there. And as we have set aside this season for, uh, this season of the year to explicitly, we've set aside this, this, this time and the season, this time and season of the year to explicitly celebrate the birth of Christ. And I said explicitly because we should be celebrating the birth of Christ and just Him being in our lives all year long. But explicitly we've set aside this time of the year to celebrate the birth of Christ. And it is important to understand the totality of the significance of his coming. That's very important. We can't just rest on he was, you know, he was born, he was a baby, he was only a baby for a little while. Uh, but we, we cannot get caught in, in, in that trap of, of um, what people call the reason for the season is the birth of Christ and the coming of Christ. But we need to think about the whole totality. It's important. It's vital to a believer that we consider the whole totality of what the birth of Christ means and the significance of that. As believers understanding and embracing that full truth of the gospel, it is vital in establishing deep roots. Understanding is is vital in establishing deep roots to ensure that we're not swept away. To ensure that we're not blown away by strange doctrine and the deceptions of men. And as we have been learning on Sunday morning, understanding and embracing, and embracing and embracing includes obeying, but understanding and embracing the fullness of what God has established and set up, executed through Christ Jesus, is for our benefit. And that is something that we have to we have to understand that. Everything that God has established, what he has, the, his word that he has put in place, every, every word, every jot, every, t- every, everything, everything in the scriptures, everything in the scriptures, it is executed through Christ and it is for our benefit. So it is for us to receive all that God has for us. And I don't know about you, but I want to receive all that God has for me, I don't want to fall short in any area, in any area. So, who does not want to receive the the full benefit? If you if you're not in it to receive the full benefit of of, of the gift of Christ and the gift of God, I'm not sure what. I don't know if you just. I mean, you just want to. If you just want to get into heaven, okay, I guess that's fine. If that's all you want to do, but but think about the things that you are missing out on. Think about the life. That God intended for, for us to have just in a relationship and in fellowship with him. 
So I want you to think about that as we as we go on and we're talking about Christ as a high priest. You know, the word of God works. The word of God works. It, it can't do anything but work. Because that's how God has set it up. He is the one, and we've heard, we've heard this before, that he is the one that has established his word, and he is the one who will perform his word. So it's, without a shadow of a doubt, the word works. But you have to work the word for it to work in your life. And that's what I'm talking about specifically and individually. We have to work the word specifically. I have to work the word individually. I have to work the word specifically for it to work in my life. And this evening we are going to receive something. And I, I want you to, as, as Pastor Hill would say, I need you to buckle in. Because this is, is something that will probably ruffle, uh, ruffle uh, some feathers. It's going to challenge some of our thinking and that's okay because that's what the word should do it should challenge what we think should challenge our thoughts but this evening we're going to receive something that will crown our lives with peace it will crown our lives with peace as we establish it because some of some of, uh, of of what i will be saying some of you may not have ever even heard it some may not have even heard it or you've uh, maybe skimmed it. You know, you, you've probably you know, come across it or you've heard someone mention it. But I'm talking about hearing. I'm talking about um, uh, getting a full understanding. I'm talking about going deeper into just, uh, just hearing what, what the Word says. Uh, for some of us, we're going to reinforce it. And if all of us embrace it in our hearts under the principle of agreement, under the principle of agreement, then it will crown our lives with peace. As it, is, as it is established in us. Our founding pastor was always conscious. He was always conscious of, of not overfeeding the flock. Overfeeding the congregation. Or making sure that, that what he ministered, what he taught, we were able to chew it. We were able to, to chew it. We were able to um, um, digest it. And so tonight though... Um, we're going to get into something that's a little bit more meatier, I would say. And he reserved the meatier things for the ministry class. So tonight you all are going to get a little taste, just a little taste of what we got in the ministry class. And again, as I said, this is a one-time, a one-time method, so we won't be able to do it justice. But we're going to um, establish and we're going to set some, just some foundational things about this. Just some foundational things about it. Just enough for you to tack on to what you've been hearing about salvation. Just enough for you to tack, tack that on. Um, so let's start with this. So among the names that are ascribed to Jesus, among the many names, and we, we, we call him a lot, among the many names that are ascribed to Jesus, he is Christ, the, the anointed one. He is Christ, the anointed. He is the son of God. The Son of God. Jesus being the manifestation of God. And in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, we're not going to go there, but Hebrews 1 and 3, is, it expresses him as the radiance of God's glory. He is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation 
of his being. And I want you to, and I've, I've picked some of these and I've chosen some of these uh, for a specific reason. So I want you to be sure that, that, that you get this down and you write this down so then as you, as you hear the message, then it should, it should come, uh, come around full, full circle for you. He is the Son of God, Jesus being the manifestation of God, Hebrews chapter 1, expresses him as the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. John 1 and 14, John 1 and 14, it says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then he's called the king of kings. That means he's the ultimate king above all kings. He's called the Lord of lords. That means he's the ultimate Lord above other lords. So those are those are those are a few. One last one that I want to 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 mention is that and a lot uh, Christians Christians those who call themselves Christian, they identify with this one the most, and I'm going to tell you why, but they identify with him most as Savior, and that's in relation to the atonement, the sacrifice for our sin. And this is why. Number one is because this is how we first come into the kingdom, because we needed a Savior. So, so a lot of times we identify Christians, believers identify with him as Savior because that denotes the atonement for our sins. And again, we need him as a savior. We needed him when we came in. But number two, most profess to be Christians, most who profess to be Christians, they spend much of their life right there. Just right there. As Christ, as the savior, the atonement for sin. And why? It's because they are always asking. They're always in the need of forgiveness. And so they're always asking for forgiveness. They're always needing a savior. They're always needing an atonement for sin. So a lot of Christians, they are right there. Uh, They're right there. And they don't move past that much at all. They stay right there. And yes, he is the atonement for our sins. No doubt about that. But he is much more than that. He's much more than that. Yes, he has taken care of the separation from God, our our being separated from him uh, in the future. And right now he's taken care of that. He's paid the price for that sin. He's collected the wages. He took the payment. He became the preparation, the, pro, the appropriation for our sins. And we are so glad about it. Not, I'm not discounting that at all because we needed that. But besides that, his birth, his living him sacrificing himself, his shedding his blood, his death and his ascension, those all are significant and they lead to other things outside of payment for our sins. They lead to, to something, some, some uh, other things that, that, that we need outside of just the payment for our sins. It also led Jesus to be our great high priest. His birth. His birth led to him being our great high priest. His living led to him being our great high priest. Him sacrificing himself, that led to him being our great high priest. His ascension, his ascension led to us, led to him being our great high priest. 
He is our mediator, the mediator of the new covenant, the mediator of the new covenant. And we will see why this is significant and should not be taken lightly. It should not be taken lightly and it should not be discounted at all. So we're going to see as we, we, get, we go through, we're going to, to see why that is significant and why it should not be taken lightly. Unfortunately, though, many Christians, many believers are disconnected from that truth. They're disconnected from the truth of him being the great high priest and the mediator. They're disconnected from that. And we're also going to, to hear and understand tonight why that is. So I only have one objective tonight. My one objective tonight is simple. It's simply for us to examine the coming of Jesus Christ for the position as our great high priest. I want to focus and examine the coming of Jesus Christ for the position as our great high priest. So I don't want you to get bored. I want you to listen attentively because uh, we, we're going to talk a little bit about some Old Testament things. But it's, it's relevant. It is relevant. And we're going to bring it home so that we can understand how it relates to us today. But we cannot, we cannot neglect information. We cannot neglect history and information so that we can have a better understanding. Amen. So just as with atonement, so we talked about atonement and we talked about how uh, a lot of Christians, they stay right there at, at atonement, that, that God has is, is, is been the, the atonement of our sin, he's, he's our Savior. But just as with atonement, there has always been specific qualifications and duties. Always, even with atonement, there were specific qualifications, there were, respi- uh, there were specific responsibilities, there were specific uh, duties regarding the position of high priest, both under the old covenant with the children of Israel, as well as under the new covenant of grace that has been established for us. So our foundational text, so you there, and I'm not there, Hebrews chapter 4. I want you all to stay with me here. Hebrews chapter 4. Let's start reading at verse 14. So Hebrews 4 and 14. And the scripture reads, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, Let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's go on to chapter 5, verse 1. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have, who can have compassion on the ignorant? And on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. 
And by reason that hereof he ought as for the people so also for himself to offer for sins. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God as was Aaron. So also Christ glorifieth not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. And he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who is in the, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears, unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So this is our foundational, our, our foundational text. And so we see here from this passage that the role of the high priest in the Old Testament, number one, it was to know the will of God. That was number one. The role of the high priest was to know the will of God for the people. Secondly, he was to offer a sin offering for the sins of the whole congregation and for himself regularly. He had to offer a sin offering for the sins of the whole congregation and himself regularly. And number three, he was to conduct the service on the Day of Atonement once a year. The Day of Atonement. It was once a year where he was allowed, the high priest, the high, only the high priest was allowed to enter into the most holy place. That was also called the Holy of Holies. That was behind the veil, the most holy place. And, and the high priest, who again was chosen by God, he was chosen by God and to, to know the will of God. And he was the only one that was allowed to go into that place. But that was only after he had offered the sacrifice for him and for his sins and the sins of the people. So he went behind the veil, and that, that, that place behind the veil was, was said to be the place where God was. It was said to be the place where God's presence was. That was the place uh, of the inhabitation where God inhabited that place, and it was also known as the throne of God. It was also known uh, as the mercy seat. And so, so he was to go, the high priest was to go into that place, that, that whole place and to make atonement for himself and for the people for all the sins committed during that year ending for the whole year so he had to make he had to make atonement for sin he had to to make a sacrifices for sin throughout the year but this day of atonement was once a year where he had to make he had to make a, an atonement for the whole year again for him and for the people. The first thing that we need to to remember about this, and again, that we're talking about we're talking about the Old Testament way. And so the first thing to consider is that this system was established, the system was established for the children of Israel. That system was established as a covenant with God for the children of Israel. That was a part of, of, of their um, 
a part of all the laws. It was a part of, of all of those things that, that, was that, that was established. So where did that leave everyone else who was outside of that nation of people? Where did that leave everyone else? Now, don't think by any stretch of the imagination that they were the only people. So we have to think about who, everyone else outside of that nation. Where did that lead them? Secondly, although the Jewish people are no longer under and they're no longer bound to that system now. We're talking about now in the New Testament. Although a New Testament day, I should say. They are no longer bound to that system as prescribed in the Old Testament under that Old Covenant, but they still sin. And so, we, so they still sin, and then we still have those outside of that nation, which would be us, which would be Gentiles. And so they, we, we again, so we, we, weren't under, we weren't under that covenant to begin with at all. But now that we are not, uh, no longer under, and, and, and the, Jew, the Jewish uh, people are no longer under that covenant, we're under a new covenant, which is the covenant, uh, covenant of grace, we still sin. So what happens? What has happened? What has changed in that? So that's why the scripture tells us that Christ did not come to abolish. He did not come to abolish the law. He didn't come to abolish the Old Testament. He came to fulfill the things that were in it because everything that, that had to do with the temple, everything that had to do with the sacrifices, even the high priest, even the priest, everything that had, everything, the blood that had to be taken from the animals that, that, that he used to, to even to go into the Holy of Holies, all of that, all of that, it speaks to it shows and it speaks to a better covenant and that is the covenant that we operate under the covenant of grace in which Christ established it was established by Christ uh, based on the things uh, his birth and his death and remember all of those things that we're talking about but it was his death that put the new covenant into place and so those are the things that we need to, to remember, that Christ did not come. He came to fulfill that. He didn't come to abolish it, but he came to fulfill it. And that, the new covenant that we have now, it is not established. It is not established. Uh, it's a better covenant. It is not established uh, to, make it, to make us bound to human performance. It's not bound to human performance. The covenant that God created. He is not bound to human performance. It's not bound to animals and sacrifices of animals. It's not bound to, uh, uh, um, to the performances of men, as in the high priest having to go first making, making uh, atonement for himself and sacrifice for himself and then sacrifices for the people. And then, again, and then, and then listen, and then when he went, when he went behind the veil, when he went behind the veil, he had bells. He had bells on because then they would know, the people would know if God, if God really had accepted that sacrifice from him. So, so the, all, of the, all of these things, so that wasn't even a perfect, they, they, were having, they were having to wait, wait to see if God was going to accept the sacrifice that he was given for him and their sins. That's a gamble. That's a gamble. Because what if the Lord, what if God didn't accept it? Then what? Then what would have happened? So again, we're talking about, and that's why I was saying it's not, it wasn't based on human. What we have now is not based on human performance. That's human performance right there. 
If you have to rely on your forgiveness, if you have to rely on God forgiving you, if you have to rely on being right with God based on what somebody else has done or not done, that's a gamble. But under the new covenant, we have a better, we have a better way and we have a, we have, we have a high priest that is beyond all others. We have a high priest that is beyond all others. So then the position of high priest, it's still relevant today. Again, because we still sin. We still sin. And, and listen, you, we cannot, the scripture tells us, that sin, sin cannot dwell in the presence of God. It cannot dwell in the presence of God. So if we still sin and, 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 we, and, and, and we cannot dwell in the presence of God, then there has to be someone who goes before us. There has to be someone who is going to set the stage. There has to be someone who is going to be the go-between because we cannot stand in the presence of God alone because of our sin. So, this is why the position of high priest is still relevant. This is why it's important on who would go for us. On who would be that sacrifice. On who would be that high priest. So, because sin cannot tarry in the sight of God without being dealt with. And sinful men cannot approach God even for salvation or to be forgiven without a mediator and without a sacrifice. This is the reason why we have Christ. Christ is that sacrifice. He is the one time. Whereas in the Old Testament, the, the high priest had to go regularly and he had to go once a year to make sacrifices for himself and for the people. Christ did it one time. It only took one time for him to make the sacrifice and for him to be the mediator of our, of our, of our covenant. So he now sits at the right hand of God. He sits at his right hand and he makes uh, mediation for us. He is our advocate. The scripture tells us that if we sin, we have an advocate and the advocate is Christ who sits at God's right hand. He is your high priest forever. You don't have to worry about him dying because that was the other thing about the high priest in the Old Testament. They died. They were mere men. And they died. And then you have to work. God had to put somebody else in place. But Christ is our eternal. He is our eternal high priest. He is our eternal mediator until we are able, until we are able to see them, to see him face to face. So that is very important. So our focus, let's, let's focus now in he, on Hebrews chapter 5 and we're going we're gonna to focus on verse 1. So the qualifications of a high priest is what we're going to get into now. The qualifications of a high priest. So, five, chapter 5, verse 1. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. So here we see, number one, the high priest must be a man. He must be taken from among men. So he must be a man. 
That's simple. The high priest could not be from angels. The high priest could not be from anything other than man because the one in that role had to be equal in power. If, you, if, if, if you're going to have a high priest who is supposed to be a representation for you, then he has to be able, he has to be able to identify with you. And so, uh, again, it could not be angels. It had to be someone who was of equal, who was equal in power. It has to be a member of a group having common characteristics. It had to be a man, a member of a group having common characteristics. It had to be a fellow man, a fellow man or kindred human being with fellow feeling or mutual understanding. He had to be in that role. He had to be an equal in power. He had to be a member of a group having the same characteristics. He had to be a fellow man or a kindred human being with fellow feeling or mutual understanding. That's important. Hold on to that because that is important. I said he had to be chosen. He was chosen. So it says here, taken from among men is ordained. Ordained means that he was chosen. He was chosen by God. You, this is not a role that you could take upon yourself. You cannot just, you couldn't just come up and just say, oh, I, I think I want to be a high priest. First of all, the high, the priesthood, it came from a, a, a particular, a particular line, a particular line of the Israelites. So you couldn't, the, the Levites, you couldn't just arbitrarily just come up and say, I think I want to be a high priest. No, it was reserved for those in, in, uh, the, uh, in that Levitical uh, uh, place, it, it, for those the Levites, it was reserved for, for that that place. So they you couldn't you couldn't go in and ask for yourself. You had to be ordained. You had to be established by God, and God chose them. They didn't choose themselves. God chose the Levites to carry to carry those titles. And uh, he had to be a person. We said he had to be a person. So here we see. Um, um, he was taken from among men, ordained from men in the things pertaining to God, things pertaining to God, that he might offer, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. So we see here that he had to also be able to exercise gentleness and forbearance toward those who were in error because he was also in error. He had to offer gifts for himself. He had to offer sacrifices for himself and gifts and sacrifices for the people. So it had to be someone who was not. I mean, you can't, there's no way that you can offer sacrifices for someone else and you are all so uh, uh, gung-ho and, 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 and um just down on them about their sins and the things that they're doing when you are doing the same thing, when you are in that same boat. So it had to be a person who was gentle and forbearing, being able to, to forbear towards those who were in error, who could identify with the, the, uh, the moral weaknesses, who could identify with the physical infirmities of man. So that is very, very important. Let's look at this in chapter uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 2. So go over a few <coughs> chapters here and let's look at Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. We'll start reading at verse 14. 
And the scripture reads, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also, took, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that, that had the power of death. That is the devil. Uh, verse 16. For verily he took not on the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. That's very important. It behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Verse 18. For in that he himself, have suffered, being tempted, he is able to secure them that are tempted. So here is where there is controversy. Here is where the controversy starts. Right? I said, I told you this is gonna may ruffle some feathers. I told you that, that you need to hold on to your seatbelts, and, and this is why. Because here is where the controversy comes in. Christians and believers, they don't deny that Jesus is the Son of God. They don't deny that. They don't dispute that Jesus is the Son of God. And they may even accept that scripture that he is the seed of David. So remember that, that scripture that talks about that he is the seed of David. That makes him the Son of Man. He is the seed of David. However, in reality, many Christians and believers, they have not examined the full truth. They haven't examined the full truth of what it means that he is the seed of David, that he was born of a woman. Or they have not accepted the full truth. So either, either they have not just dug into it to find out exactly what that means, or they may have heard it, but they are not in accepting it as full truth. Listen, Mary, even Mary... so. It says he was the seed of David. And Mary, although he didn't have a father, although the Jesus didn't have a father, he was in that lineage of David through Mary. Because Mary was a part of the seed of David. So she, although he didn't have a natural father, he was still born of a woman. And that is very important. That is very important. Although God put the spirit, it was the spirit of God that, that, that conceived, that conceived Jesus, we cannot deny, we cannot deny the fact, we cannot deny the fact that he was still born of a woman and he was the, still the seed of David. That is very important. That's very important. So here is what we know from the scripture. So I mean, this is all. This is all we're gonna do. As I said, I don't, I don't have time. We don't have time to, to go into to a lot of depth with this. But what I'm giving you is is gonna be enough. Trust me. It's going to be enough for you to just chew on it. It's gonna be enough for you to chew on it and for you to meditate on it. Because sometimes for some, it's just gonna again, it's just gonna bypass. And, and listen, let me let me let me say this. Let me let me put this uh, precursor out there as well. Don't try. I used to try to. I used to try when I first when I, when I first heard this this information. I tried my best to rationalize. I tried my best to uh, to wrap my what I was considering wrapping my thoughts around uh, what I believed that I was hearing. 
But you cannot do that with God's word. You cannot rationalize. You cannot, if you think about it too hard, if you think about it too hard, you'll get a headache. Because, because God, I mean, God is just, you cannot put him in a box. And, and remember, he is not like us. His thoughts are not like our thoughts. And, and, and we are so limited. We are so limited. Our minds are so limited in, in, in what we can, we can grasp without the aid of the Holy Ghost. So it, it, don't, don't try to rationalize. Don't try to think it. Just listen. We're going to allow the word. We're going to allow the scriptures. Here is what we know about the scriptures. And this is what we're going to stick to. This is what we're going to stick with. If we change any part of it, if we change any part of it, we change the gospel message. And we cannot do that. If you change it, if you try, you try to rationalize it, right, rationalize it, you try to say, oh, well, this can't have, this can't be so, that can't. You're, try, you're trying to change parts of it and that will change the full gospel message. So let's start with, let's, let's go to John chapter 1. Here we go. John chapter 1. And let's look at verse 1. We're going to start with verse 1. And the scripture reads, In the beginning was the word, and I'm taking my time on purpose. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the Word was God. So we see, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So if you have a king, probably any, any version of the, Bible, of, of, of the Bible, we see, number one, we see that Word is capitalized. And that's generally not uh, something, that's not a word that should be capitalized unless it, unless it is, 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 um, it's so, usually names, right? So it's usually associated with a name. So here we see, it's associated with a person. So here we see, in the beginning was the word. This word is a person. And the word was with God, and the word was God. So we're talking about somebody specific. We're not just talking about a word, a word that you see on a piece of paper. We're talking about the word, the word. Jump down to verse 14. And the word, again, the word is capitalized. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And the Word was made flesh. That's important. The Word was made flesh. I understand. You've read this before. I get it. But, but hold on. Listen, listen. We clearly see here that the Word was God and the Word became flesh and dwelt among the people. So flesh and blood are characteristics of humanity. Flesh and blood are characteristics of humanity. They are a part of what distinguishes us from other living things. So what did I say? The qualification of a high priest is number one, he had to be a man. That means that he had to be made of flesh and blood. He had to be. Made of flesh and blood because that 
is, and those are the characteristics of humanity. The characteristics of humanity. They are a part of what distinguishes us, people, humans, human beings, humanity. It distinguishes us from other living things. That's important. It distinguishes us from other living things. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. This is Bible study, so we want to be sure. Again, I'm taking my time. I'm not... I'm not going to even rush because I want, I want to be sure that, that we get this. I, we, uh, again, it, it, grasp it with the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't, just grasp it with the Holy Spirit. Philippians chapter 2. Let's look at that and start reading at verse 5. Philippians, two chapter, uh, Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. And I'm going to stop there. So we see here that although he possessed the fullness in the beginning, it says that he being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He made of himself of no reputation. So we see that here that although he possessed the fullness of the attributes of God, uh, uh, which was which make him God, he humbled himself and took on human nature. He emptied himself of his divine self, what he had previously, and he made himself. He says in verse 8, and being fashioned, verse 7, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and made in the likeness of men. Eight, and being made in fashion, he was made in, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. So everything that is a part of, possess, of possessing a body, being part of humanity, he humbled himself and he took on that state. He took on that state. He stripped himself of all of the privileges and the power and the right, the dignity assumed uh, 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 with that, he took that off. That as that is that is to become like men, being born a human being. So he stripped that and he put on humanity. He put on humanity, and in the humility and in the humanity, he was subject to the same passions. He was subject to the same things. He was subject to the same laws. He was uh, uh, subject. Uh, uh, to his parents, he was subject to the the, the laws of, of the land. He was he was subject to all of those. He was subject to beating. He was subject to mocking. He was subject to being crucified. He took on. He took off and stripped himself of all of the dignity, all of the glory, all that was associated, all of the power that was associated with him being God. He took that off. He laid it to the side. Now, did he? Listen, he never once, he never once forgot who he was. When he came, even when he came to the earth, even when he came to the earth, remember in, in, remember in the scripture where it talks about uh, his, his parents finding him in the temple. He says, don't you know I need to be about my father's business? He already knew. He came for a purpose. 
He came to earth for a purpose. But he stripped himself of all of those things so that he could take on humanity. So that he could be subject to. He has to be subject to. In order for him to be the perfect priest for us. In order for him to be able to assume that role. And what did I say? I said um, that he had to be able. That the the priest part of the qualifications was that he had to be able to exercise gentleness and forbearance toward those. Although he didn't sin. He still had to be able to understand the infirmities of what the men go through. He had to be able to understand that in order to be, he had to be able to understand the weaknesses. He had to be able to understand those physical uh, weaknesses that, that, that we have and those moral weaknesses that we have. He had to be able to understand that in order to be a high priest. And so again, people are, we, they, they, you know, they get caught up in, you know, he is God. Yes, he was God, but not as he walked as a man. Not as he walked as a man. It says that he stripped himself. He thought of himself of no reputation. He put that aside. He laid it to the side to put on man, to put on man so that he could be our perfect sacrifice and so that he could be our mediator. Listen, you can't have a mediator who does not understand what you go through. There's no way for them to mediate for you. They can't mediate for you because they don't understand what you're going through. Listen, even in a, in a court, even in, in a, you know, a lawyer, they have to sit down with their client and they have to be able to understand what's happened. They have to understand what's going on before they can advocate for them. They have to understand everything that is going on. So it's no, no different from this high priest, our, our mediator. Jesus was made like us. He didn't have any special privileges, nothing added, nothing missing. He was made like his brethren in all things. The scripture tells us that. This included being tempted like his brethren. Now, we got to be careful. So, so, so again, here we go with that. You know, God, God is not tempted. He does not, that, and, and, and I don't have time to, to look into that right now, but if you go to that scripture, the, 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 uh, there's more than one tempted in there. There's a temptation, there's a tempted, I believe tempted is in there twice. They're not the same. You have to get yourself a good concordance and look and see what that means. But in Hebrews chapter 4, so let's look at, uh, let's look, oh, let's go back to Hebrews. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4, and let's look at verse 15. Hebrews 4 and 15. And the scripture reads, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. It says that at all points, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin so we can see here we can see that he was he was tempted at all points that is in every respect as we are yet he was without sin because he subjected himself to such temptations as we are tempted he subjected himself to the weaknesses to the physical and the moral weaknesses he could sympathize with sinners because he was able to taste he was able in he was able to experience that now now this is this is the thing 
This is the thing about it. So, although he subjected himself, remember I said he stripped himself of all power. So he did not walk this earth as in the power of God, but he walked this earth as man. He walked this earth as man with all of our frailties because he put on human nature. And in this flesh, the scripture tells us that in this flesh lies what? No good thing. He put on this flesh. But, and this is, this is the best way that I can, what God has given me to, to, try to, to try to explain this. Think about something that you have done. Like, okay, let's, let's just say because tithing, tithing, that's this is one of the big things that we've been talking about lately. So let's just say you had, in the past, you had trouble tithing. It was a temptation for you to keep the tithe. And you probably did keep the tithe. But that was a, tem- a temptation for you. It was your flesh. It was your flesh telling you, you know, wh- what? Oh, you know what? We can do a whole lot with this money. We we need this money. We can do we can do a whole lot with this. That was your flesh. That was the enemy tempting you to hold on to that tie. But then once you you got an understanding of it, you may not even understood the full principle of being in, uh, it being under sword and ruby. You probably didn't understand any of that. But you probably got a revelation. Let's just say you got a revelation. You heard a word and, and you got a revelation. That, and th- the bottom line was at that point, I don't want to do anything that's going to go against what God has said that I needed to do. He's put this instruction out here. I just want to please him. That's all I want. I understand this is about purpose. That this tithe is about purpose. If you didn't understand anything else, you probably understood. If I bring the tithe into the storehouse, I know that there will be lights here when I come. I know that there will be air here. There will be heat here. I understand that I'll have a place to come to fellowship. So you have made up in your mind that I'm going to tithe. And now nothing, nothing. Not even a thought. A thought comes, you immediately, you immediately get rid of that thought because now you are established in it. You know that there's a purpose and you, you, you've gotten it down. You've hold, you, you're holding on to that. That's how I can explain how Christ was when he came as a man. So although he was subject to, because he had on flesh, he was subject to those same types of temptations, those same types of, of temptations. He always, and that's what I started with, he knew from the beginning what his purpose was. He knew from the beginning. And when you know what the purpose is from the, from the beginning, then you don't, you don't do anything to deviate from that. He, listen, he was a part of the plan with God. He was, he was in the heavens. He was a part. That, that's crazy. That would be crazy. You are part of the plan. You know, the plan is yours. Basically, the plan is yours. You're a part of the plan. And then you come to earth and you allow something else to, check, to get you off focus and get you off the plan? No, not God. Not God. So although he was subject to, although he put himself in place to be subject to those infirmities. Why? So that he could feel. He needed to know what that temptation was. He needed to understand. The th- and remember, in, 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 um, in, uh, 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 when, he was, when he was tempted in the, and, and it's the scripture. Oh, I love that. It said the scripture, the scripture tells us that, that the spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The, the scripture says that the spirit led him to the wilderness to be tempted by God. What does that tell us? That tells me that he was, listen, he was in communication with God. The spirit of the living God was in him and had already strengthened him for that temptation. Had already strengthened. Listen, God could not sin. He could not and he would not. Why? Because of purpose. That's the only thing that separates us. 
That is the only thing. We don't hold on to purpose. And that's why we allow our sin nature. That's why we allow our flesh to take control. And we do things outside of purpose because our minds, we, again, we get, off, we get off focus. We allow the enemy to get us off focus. But that was never going to be the case. Never going to be the case with Christ. Never going to be the case with Jesus. So this is why we can approach the presence of God. And I don't have time. I'm not going to have time to, to even go there. I'm not going to have time to go there. But that's why the scripture, it, it, oh, you know what? No. Is it there? Oh, 4 and 16. Yeah, we're right here. Yes. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Listen, the God, God knew Jesus because, and, and the, the scripture tells us that he was perfected and, and, and it pleased God. It, it pleased God to not only bruise him, but it was, it, 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 it says that, that God allowed him to make, he had to, Christ had to make his sacrifice perfect. He had to make his experience, his natural experience in the body. He, he had to be perfected in that. Remember, he would cry when in the Garden of Gethsemane, he cried and he, t- I, mean, I mean great sweats of blood. That was all about him being humble unto death. He had to be humble. He had to, listen, he had a will. What did he say in that scripture? He said, he said, if it be your will, take this from me. But if not, not my will, but your will be done. He said that. That tells us what? That tells us what? He had a will outside. Why? Because of the flesh. Because of the body. He had a will outside of what he had presently with God. When he was God in, in the heavens, he had a different, again, remember I said, he took off those powers and he put on the human nature. He was subject to being sleepy. He was subject to being hungry. Even in the scripture in the, in the wilderness, it said that after he had fasted those 40 days, he was what? He was hungry. So he was subject. All of everything that we were feeling, everything in our bodies, everything in this flesh, he was able to taste. He was able to, to partake of. He was able to do that. And it was good that he did. It was good that he did. Why? Because then he knew the power that we needed. He knew because he was something. He says, listen, I understand now with all of that. I understand what they go through. And now I know what they need. I know what they need. And so he says, that's why he says, you can boldly go to the throne of grace. Why? Because God has already prepared. He already knows what you need. He has it there for you, but you got to go and get it. You got to go get it. And so listen, listen, we get all bogged down, we get tied down. That is not the time. Listen, you have, it says you are able to obtain mercy and grace. Think about that. Able to obtain mercy. Listen, so that means if you sin, you can go boldly and you can obtain mercy. That's not the time to run away from him. That's not the time to stay away from him. That's the time to run boldly. To the throne so that you can obtain mercy. And then guess what? You don't even have to get to that point if you would just go beforehand. He says, I have grace for you because I know the temptation. I want you to be able to do what I did. And listen, he didn't do it as a man. Listen, he, God, God would not, that would not be just. It would not be just if God would hold us to the standard that God walked on this earth with if he walked it as, as, as with the power of God. That wouldn't be just. He had to be just like us. 
He has to be just. That's why he's able to be our example. Because he says, I get it. And we, we see, we see how he did it. Because he always prayed. He was always prepared because he always prayed. He stayed focused with what he was supposed to be doing, his purpose. And he always stayed focused. He always stayed in prayer. Always stayed in communion with God. That is the key. That's the key. We have to stay in communion with God. We have to, we have to stay. We have to stay in communion with God. Listen, we, we, and that's why I say you got to hold on to that truth. Because if you don't, what you will start to think is, again, like I said, oh, the, he's there. Well, that's God. Oh, well, you know, he did it. Yeah, because he's God. The scripture tells us. That's why I took my time. I wanted you to see that he did not walk this earth as God. He did not. The scripture, we saw, he took it off. He made up himself of no reputation. He laid all of that aside. He put on flesh so that he could be touched by your infirmities. Look how great God that is. That's a great God. The glory of God, the glory, took off the power. Listen, I don't know. I don't know. Listen, I don't know if I would take off my power for you. I don't know. You know how we enjoy, we get a little job and get a little promotion, you know. We think we get a little title and we think we, you know, we think we hot stuff. But this is God. He took off glory. He put on the form. He put on all of that infirmity. All of that weakness. Subjected himself to all of that. Just so that he could understand what you need. So that he could understand what you need and be able to provide it for you. That is a good God. That's a great God. That is a great God. Let's look at this. And um, I, I, I have a, I only have a few minutes. Let's look at this in verse in Hebrews chapter uh, two. Let's look at two Hebrews two and ten. And the scripture reads: For it became him. For whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation. He is the captain of our salvation. Make the captain of, of their salvation perfect through the sufferings. Sufferings. He made his he made the salvation perfect through his sufferings. Look at Matthew chapter 26. And we're going to end with this scripture. Matthew chapter 26. Mm. Matthew 16. I'm going to bypass that one too. Let's look at Matthew 16. And we'll close with this one. Matthew chapter 16. And let's read verse 24, because I, I need, really need to drive this, drive this home for us. Matthew 16, verse 24, and the scripture reads, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, 
And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What I want you to see here is just like Christ did, he had to deny himself. Again, I said he had a will. But he had to deny himself. And he did that. Why? Because he was focused on purpose. He is so merciful. And again, just think about what he has done. Think about, again, him, him just putting off and taking off his glory so that he could put on the nasty, stinking flesh that we have so that he could be able to experience what we experience so that he could provide what we needed. That in itself, that alone, that should point you, that really should get you going, that you have, a, you have Christ, you have a Savior, you have a high priest. Again, he's your mediator. He's mediating for you. And he can do that successfully because he has partaken, he has partaken of the same flesh that you have. That's not, that, that does not give us the, um, that, that shouldn't give you like, like again, the, the right to say or, or, or um, an excuse to say, you know, well, that's God, because it wasn't. It wasn't. When he put on flesh, he took off him being God. He took that off, and he did that for you. So, and he's waiting. He's, it, listen, if you have not accepted Christ, if you have not accepted, if you have not fully embraced, let's just say you've accepted Christ, but you have not fully embraced these truths. And again, again, this is, might be something that you're going to have to meditate on. You might have to pray about it some more. You, you know, pray over, ask God to give you some further understanding, some revelation. You might have to do that because I get it. Like I said, I was in that place. How in the world? How in the world? There's no way that God could be tempted. There's no way. I get it. But he wasn't God. He wasn't God when he walked the earth. I get it. But understand that he has done all of that. And all we want again is for you to have the full benefit. If you could grasp that. If you, can just, if you could grasp that, that piece of information, if you can grasp that truth, that could, take you, that could, that could possibly take your salvation to a, another level because you understand that God understands and that he has provided a way. He's provided a way of escape for you. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.